Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor. It's 97th Floor, an award-winning Moz-recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom-line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thfloor.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome back to the show. How are you, Brandon? Fantastic. That's amazing. Hey, so John is out again this week. Some of you may be thinking, gosh, is he not really committed to the podcast? (laughs) And I don't have an answer for you. Maybe he can answer next week. Maybe. If he listens. (laughs) That's right. So, all right. So this week, uh, we're going to do something uh, semi-unique. We're going to shoot the breeze a little bit. We're going to talk and and get a little bit more detail about our everyday lives at our jobs. So Brandon's at Dev Mountain. I'm at Vivint Smart Home. And we're going to talk through some of the fun things that we're doing, uh, some of the campaigns we're running, some of the fails maybe that we've run into, and give you a glimpse of our day-to-day and things that we've recently learned. But first, Brandon, what's hot? I like this approach we're taking today because this is really how the podcast originated. We were sitting around lunch table at the Habit Burger. That's right. Up in, what is it? Is that South Jordan? Sandy-ish area? Is it on 123rd South? I think that's Draper. Okay. Yeah, sure. Salt Lake County to me. Everything north of the point Point of the mountain. Yep. Sitting there and we're just talking about all this kind of stuff, what you're working on, what's going on here. And we're like, we should just, you know, this is August, August 2015. Man, that's a long time. Yeah. We hit three years this year yep. of recording. But yeah, that's what sparked the idea. It was like, what if we just put microphones and had these kind of conversations? So today you're getting a little taste of that. But like Jacob said, he wants to know what's hot. I feel like I need John here to say that. But. I know. He's out today, but uh, not a whole lot of hot news, to be honest. I've been paying attention this week, and just nothing really noteworthy to talk about other than just like, hey, here's an update to this, but not really discussion-oriented. But this article just kind of stood out to me. I was looking through Adweek, and the title is, Once Known for Social Media, VaynerMedia Wants to Become a, quote, Attention, unquote, Agency. And attention has been something that Gary Vaynerchuk is very keen on. He's, he's very, he's openly obsessed with his attention, his new event. You remember the name? Yes. It's called voice con voice con is happening. So this article is just talking about how very uh, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk's very media Vayner media is very well known for being a social media agency, helping brands navigate Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, it's, you know, Snapchat. It's, I, I keep thinking about this. They went from a social media agency, which you talk about social media. Social media, in most cases, is very hard to tie to an ROI, yep. right? These vanity metrics, the likes and the shares, it's very hard to tie a specific ROI to that. I feel like they just went into the opposite direction. <laughs> and now attention, like how do, you, how do you tie an ROI to attention? That's like, that's like hey, let's tie, let's tie it to impressions. Yep. Well... Social media, you, I mean, I think everyone agrees there's a lot of attention on social media and, and brands recognize that. And even though it's hard to, I mean, 
I'm looking at the Wasatch Mountains here, and if I had giant Hollywood-style letters that said Dev Mountain that were just across the top there, that would be huge attention. I guarantee it would bring in way more leads, more enrollments, but there would be really no way to attach an ROI to like when we put the letters up because of those letters, we got this because people would be Googling dev mountain like, Oh, organic search is taking off. It's have not- you looked up what it would take to rename one of these mountains? I've just not. name it dev. Probably a lot and hey, probably what, what, impossible. What mountain is that? That's dev mountain. That is dev mountain. You should yes. rename Mount Timpanogos. That'd be cool. A little fur, a little far away. I like this one right here. I what's take what's the, the name of this one? It. Right here, I don't know, Y Mountain. <laughs> That's what everyone calls it, just because you have a giant Y on it. Okay. But if we could somehow get the rights and have Dev Mountain sp- spread across. But yeah, how, did, like, how did BYU get the rights to put a letter on there? I don't know. Back I bet they just did it. Was it was the Wild West back then. You could just claim whatever, and they're like, all right. How about you go further south a little bit and just put Maybe. D-E-V? No, no one's got anything going on in Springville, so I could do something there. Yeah, what's the next letter down there? Is it the J in, in the P? Juab? For Payson. Oh, Payson has, has a P. P. Oh, okay, yeah. Spanish Fork might have an S, but it might just be like someone with like a permanent marker just wrote. Dude, get this. Utah, <laughs> like the University of Utah, they have a U. Pleasant Grove has a G. And then uh, there's a Y on the mountain down here. If Linden had an L, the mountains from U- University of Utah to BYU would spell ugly. Nice. <laughs> uh, they need to get that going then. <laughs> It's not right. a bad idea. I'll, I'll anyway, write a letter to the mayor of Linden. Social attention. And now the, the pivot is they're not calling it attention. This is what Adweek's saying, but they're really doubling down on voice. Uh, it wasn't two years ago. It says that uh, Gary Vayner or Vayner Media launched a sub agency called Vayner Smart. And that helped tons of uh, groups get like Alexa skills for or just build Alexa skills for their brands like GE, uh, JP Morgan Chase and whatnot. So it's just interesting how. Again, there's nothing like specific that's like super noteworthy on this, but I think just overall, like to see a big agency like VaynerMedia pivot towards voice, which we've talked about. You just hit on it briefly. We talked about it a little bit more extent, I think, last episode or the episode before that. How voice is very hard to tie an ROI in. Uh, how does that work for 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 so many brands? I don't know. Maybe it works for Gary Vaynerchuk because his clients are companies like GE who have big budgets to just experiment with. Uh, I don't see a startup getting, see, that's the, that's the thing, man is Gary V is one of the very few people in the world that could pull something like this off. Like, like we couldn't just go start an awareness agency and get clients. Hey, we'll help you get more awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. So it's interesting, but so so what does this mean? He's going to dump all his social media clients. I don't think so. No, but I think the the sign is if Gary Vaynerchuk is onto something, which he usually is, he was about a lot of things social. Uh, he's really just harping on voice right now, just voice, 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 voice is the future. And I still, for me, maybe my brain isn't as smart as his, but I still don't it's see not. how voice is going to be this big thing in 2019, 2020. I don't know, but I thought that was interesting. Not sure if you had an opinion on. An agency I think, like I think that. voice, I think, oh, I'm like if you were the head of a big, uh, not a big agency, let's say an agency like 97 floor, well known, but not huge. You're, you're Paxton and you have to decide, do we start advertising voice, uh, campaigns and, and services to clients? Do you say no? Or do you say yes, we're doing it? No, I would totally do it. Totally. 
that I mean, uh, digital marketing agencies, even in-house in-house people, you guys should be optimizing for voice. If vo optimizing for voice is almost the same thing as optimizing for rich snippets. So you should be doing research on which rich, rich snippets are appearing for your business related keywords and you should optimize for those. Uh, I, yeah, definitely. I would definitely offer that as a, as a separate line item for sure. And when I say voice, I'm mainly speaking of like optimizing for, you know, these, these, uh, voice assistants, Alexa, Google assistant. Are you saying whatnot, like, not? Like but, but podcasts obviously are a big part of voice. And I do think there is something to that because I feel like every late night interview I watch now with these celebrities, every single one of them is starting podcasts. Oh yeah. I've got a podcast now. You got to check it out. This comedian has a podcast. Now this actor has a podcast, which is only good. I mean, it's only going to help us because that's raising awareness for a podcast. These guys are on podcasts and they're going to start looking for more content to follow. So I, I do think and then there they're going to be like, to holy podcasts. cow, these guys have been around for almost three years. Yeah. These guys are legit. Gosh, they must be doing really well if they've been around that long. Millionaires. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I but. think voice is going to be big. I, I agree with Gary V. I mean, he's blowing it up. What's in, what's really interesting to me is because of his influence, I wonder how much influence he's having on actually pushing it, right? So more than just predicting it, he's making it happen by making such a big deal out of it. Probably. Right? Warren Buffett has that ability. Warren Buffett can say, I think the future is this. Suddenly, stocks go up in that industry. Stocks go up, yep. Just because Warren Buffett knows. I think Gary Vaynerchuk definitely has that kind of reputation within the digital space the marketing space by the so, way did you hear that stephen hawking died i did that, that was, was uh last week yeah i i just found you out just yesterday found out today yesterday. or yesterday old news man yeah i know new news for the podcast though yeah meaning we haven't mentioned it yeah it, it has happened since our last episode yeah I did have one question for you, though. Oh, yeah, the one question you wanted. It's not really my... a current event. Well, it's sparked by a current event. I'm just looking at marketing land right here, and it's talking about how Snapchat is bulking up location-based ad filters, launches in-store analytics. Snapchat's always got new stuff. What do you mean location-based? What? Location-based ad filters. Like, I think... Oh, meaning someone who's in a very specific geo geography would see a specific ad targeted to that geography yeah or like a filter you could use in your face and you're yeah like, you're dev mountain man when you're here in provo oh do you have a dev mountain man no but a company in a cbs network in dallas was pitching us once to do some radio ads for the dallas cowboys and they like went ahead and put together a mock-up and it was like the cheesiest thing i've ever heard it's like uh oh man i'm driving home i hate my job Whoa, what's this in the way? I'm Dev Mountain Man. Do you have the audio? Uh, I do, but it would take me a while to find it. Really? But I think I have it. I could find it and put it on this episode. If I have it, it plays right now. I hated my job. I was going nowhere. I'd always dreamed about a career in the fast-paced, high-paying world of tech, but I didn't know where to begin. And then I met him. It's me, Dev Mountain Man, hailing from Dev Mountain, a magical place where you learn the skills of tomorrow, like web development and app creation in just 12 weeks, so you can start a career you can be proud of. You can even live at Dev Mountain in our free housing while you learn. Visit devmountain.com. That's devmountain.com. Wasn't that fun? Yeah. Awesome. Me, I'm going to make a note. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway... That's the commercial is kind of, I don't know where I was going there, but that's, yeah, location filters, all that stuff off topic. My question to you is, it's a twofold question. 
Do you think Snapchat has a realistic future? Are they dying? And B, do you, as someone over marketing at Vivint, do you see yourself recommending the investment of Snapchat in 2018? Or do you view it as like, we're getting better ROI elsewhere? Maybe not Vivint specifically, but just if you were giving a presentation to a bunch of business owners, would you push Snapchat or do you think efforts are well spent other places? I think that Snapchat is on their way out. I would not recommend spending any budget with them, although we are, but I'm not over that budget. Oh, well, I didn't know you Vol- guys were spending money with them. We are. Yeah. It's actually, it's, uh, it's very, very low volume, but the cost is within, uh, reason. So there's, they're spending against it. Hmm. My opinion is if you have the resources, use it because even though they're on the way out, in my opinion, uh, there's still people, there's still hundreds of millions of people, I believe still use it. Um, so you might as well milk it as long as you can, but don't build a business off of it. Yeah. Because... But the question is if you have a hundred dollars to spend on Snapchat or a hundred dollars to spend on something else, why would you recommend Snapchat? Only if the ad, like if, if companies start jumping ship, ads are only going to get cheaper on Snapchat. And there's, if there's still attention there, might as well milk it kind of like a Google plus type thing. Was Google Plus going to be the future of social media? No, everyone kind of thought that mm, this might not be the, the future of social media, but there was a tension there. Anyway. Are people still on Google Plus? Are you? No. I I'm, I mean, I'm on Google Plus. Do I use it? My brother actually uses Google Plus still. For what? Like, actively. Just, like, checks his feed and looks at news stories posted. Well, that means people are posting. People are posting still. You hop on there every now and then, you're kind of like, wow, there's still people here. I'm sure it's probably mostly people just like auto-posting with Hootsuite, (laughs) and they just like check Google Plus, like, yeah, might as well fire a post out there. Anyway, that's the... uh, that's that's what's what's hot hot for this week. (laughs) We just need to get John's clip of saying what's hot and just use that. No, I'm not putting his voice on episodes he's not here for. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so, Brandon, why don't you take us through some of the stuff that you've been working on at, over at dev mountain besides dev mountain, man. Yeah. Dev mountain. Well, that was a while ago, but, uh, lately I have been obsessed both personally and with my position at dev mountain with funnels, click uh, funnels, click funnels is one software. Obviously I've been I actually bought Russell Brunson's book, uh, called expert secrets, which so far has been good. He has another one called dot com secrets. That's a little bit more specific to building, uh, different types of funnels, but yeah, I've been testing out tons of software, click funnels, unbounce lead pages. And one that I just landed on with dev mountain was actually Instapage. You ever heard of them? Yeah. We, t- we told you about Instapage last week. You told me about Instapage? Brigham and I told no. you about Instapage. No, I already knew about Instapage. No, you did not. I've been, I have proof. I have, I've had my trial before that conversation. But I remember him saying something. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was He's grandfathered into the very low That's prices. That's right, yes. I asked him. That, he's like, he oh, yeah, I use it. To. He has a good price. Uh, so we're using that right now. We're actually building out some pages, and it's awesome. But uh, I feel like – so ClickFunnels kind of takes things to the extreme to where he believes that funnels are the future, like that websites as we know it are are going to be dead. There's no point in having like a homepage type thing. Everything is sold through funnels, um, which is interesting. I don't understand how everything going through funnels would kill websites. 
not necessarily kill websites. A website is a funnel. A website is, he's saying that they're, they're not going to be affected. Right now, it's like you go to Vivint.com and then you, you click on the products or services and you find what you want and then you buy it. Uh, versus through a Facebook ad, the, the, they already know what you want and then they sell it through funnels. But anyway, we've been working on that. What do you mean sell it through funnels? I don't understand. A funnel has never been its own thing. It's always been a thing that describes another thing. What do you mean? <laughs> a thing that describes another thing? Yeah, like when you talk about a funnel, you talk about like the marketing funnel, right? The, the, top of the, the stuff at the top is the awareness. As they slowly come down, the bottom sure. is purchase. So you have every part of your marketing plan should fit somewhere in the funnel, right? Content marketing is somewhere at the top. You have yes. your website, which is typically further down. And then, and then you have a funnel within your website. What I'm saying is a funnel yes, is yes. used to describe something sure. else. It's uh, not the something. That's kind of like the, the hypothetical, uh, non-tangible view of marketing. Top, yeah. of funnel, top of funnel type stuff, bottom of funnel. That's people right. Close and what, to what you just said doesn't make sense to sure, me. Sure. So I need you to explain it. So, you said people will go from social and they'll purchase in the funnel. It's yes. like, it sounds like someone's jumping into a funnel. So with trying software, to purchase their stuff before they come out with the bottom. software like ClickFunnels, software like uh, Instapage, all these places, you're building like a physical funnel. So like I can map it out on a whiteboard saying they're going to start on this ad. They're going to click on it. They're going to go to this page, which is going to have a video to the left, a sign up form on the right. And then when they sign that up or like when they actually put in the information and hit go, they're going to be taken to this page. And then they're also going to go through this sequence of three emails and output the sales. You're making this sound like it's some revolutionary thing. It's not revolutionary. So what, what are you doing? Like? I'm saying most businesses do it in a very complicated fashion to where things aren't tied together that neat necessarily. And again, don't you think the search engines are going to dictate this, not the funnels? Cause if you get rid of websites, how they currently are now, like a homepage, then, then where are all your brand search terms going to go? And that's the part I, I agree with you there. So I'm not like, total obviously a guy like russell brunson is highly uh invested in you going pure just like funnels 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 that's all your products you have a funnel for each product they upsell each other and that's your business model is just pulling people from facebook ads it's not really taking into account seo which just going off of pure like building these physical funnel pages it's not really seo friendly so i'm with you there and what about the people who aren't ready to buy who just want to learn and get information. So yeah, that, and that's kind of how we are. It's like, we're not selling like a $5 lip balm, which uh, a lot of these like so click, click funnel softwares work really well on because like you Kistics. can like kiss sticks, um, which I don't think they're in business anymore. I think they are. They're just kiss sticks.com. They were a client of yours chemistry. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They're still, they're still around. I don't think the original owners are, over Did you ever anymore. get to meet Mark Cuban? Never got to. It's too bad. It's my dream. It was my dream. But uh, yeah, with with Dev Mountain, you're talking eleven thousand dollar product. No one clicks on an ad and then goes right to. So it's revolutionary to Dev Mountain because we've been horrible about this. So we're not as well built out. We're still very much in the early stages of marketing, and uh, too much of it. I mean, before like when I joined. It was just like Facebook ad, literally straight to the application page. Learn to code in 13 weeks. Oh, this is interesting. Click on it. Uh, first name, last name, email. Why do you want to join? It's like, holy crap. People aren't ready right away. 
and so they're blowing tons of money. So we kind of spread things out. Let's actually have them go to a page that has them download a syllabus uh, request. They can learn about the class, and then we're going to build some follow-up emails. So kind of like a funnel, but not really. Like it was, they were still just going to like a page on our website. Then we kind of took it a step further, and now we have dedicated PPC pages that aren't seen on the website. You only access them on Facebook ads. Um, but still, we're, we're, we're still asking people to download a syllabus before anything else. So now we're starting to generate content like guides and whatnot, where it's we're not talking about boot camps. We're not talking about the 13 weeks. We're talking about an easier way to learn to code. Okay. And then there's a guide where maybe it's a, a full of a bunch of free resources and whatnot. And then in our follow-up emails, we have – so we have our new content writer. She's gone through every single piece of content that we have on our website every single PDF that we have in our database. And she's made this like searchable Google doc where everything is tagged. So I can just quickly go in and be like uh, UX design. And then it'll show me all of our content that we have existing within UX design. And then it's even labeled like top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. So now when we, we want to build out a UX campaign, we can literally just open up the spreadsheet, type in what we're wanting and it says, oh, here's 15 pieces of content. I want that one. I want that one. Put that in this email. Put that in this email. And then we just kind of create this long indoctrination process. Indoctrination. Uh, which you make is it sound like you're brainwashing people. Well, yeah, we're basically trying to create. Uh, we're just looking at cults, successful uh, cults in history, and saying, what can we do to duplicate? So are you, are you like modeling it after the Mormon church? Yes, absolutely. The most successful one of all. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> hey, technically, you could argue any church is a cult uh, by the textbook definition of a cult. What's uh, the textbook definition? Um, well, now I should give you the exact wording. But basically, it's a uh, following of, 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 of a leader, which you could argue that Christianity looks at Jesus Christ as the leader, a devout following. So it's like, okay, well, that's a cult. We're taking a quick break to... Talk about the spiritual matters yes. in our lives. But the book does talk about that that I'm reading from him. He actually uh, he studies all of these uh, really well-known followings for both good and bad. You look at uh, Jesus Christ and Christianity. You look at Hitler and the Nazi party. And all of these different uh, revolutions, you could say, have three things in common. They all have a charismatic leader or an attractive leader. You need one of those. You need to be centered around a purpose that is bigger than the person, which obviously Jesus Christ and Christianity was bigger than him. Uh, Adolf Hitler was bigger than him as a person. It was about an entire country and revolution. And then you have to promise. Race. You have to promise opportunity. There has to be opportunity involved. Something like I'm joining because something Eternal better life. is going to happen. Eternal life, or you're going to be part of this amazing revolution where you're not you're taken care of and whatnot so i'm really confused because the definition here says a young uncastrated male horse for a cult <laughs> are you lying to me no that's what a cult is c-o-l-t that's what i c-u-l-t no. what are you reading i said c-o-l-t oh a cult it's a baby horse yes man. yes i was just kidding holy cow <laughs> oh, a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object Sure. So anything. Uh, but yeah, studying all that stuff, putting that into funnels, really explaining the opportunity. Sometimes we talk so much about our product that we forget to talk about why people are getting our product in the first place. And maybe you guys fall victim of that at, at, at uh, 
vivid where you're you, sometimes you get so caught up in talking about the bells and whistles of the technology that you forget why people buy that in the first place. What's the result they're looking for? Is it peace uh, of mind at night? Is it, I want to be able to spy on people. I don't know how much you talk about the end result in your marketing. Is that why you have your cameras? For, For spying? Yeah. That's why I have my doorbell camera. I have, security is the last Are you with Ring? I'm with Ring right now, although I'm gonna switch. To Nest? To Nest's new doorbell looks I think I might get it. Pretty nest. nice. And at Nest just has the whole ecosystem worked yep. out. Yep. And so that's why I'm glad. And I think Plus it is you're lower a Google there. fanatic. I'm a Google fanatic. They already know everything about me. So. Screw Amazon, man. They just bought Ring for a billion dollars, and you're like, I'm out. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Amazon, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to do as good a job as, as Nest. What about Vivint? If Vivint didn't require ridiculous contracts. Yeah, they've got good products. If Vivint opened up like a monthly subscription and a self-mailed kit uh, sent out to your house, and it's like, here's how to install it. And if you want a professional to install it, we charge 500 bucks, and someone's going to come out and make sure it's tip-top shape. That would just be be, be a no-brainer. I'd just go Vivint. Thank you. So there's your – I mean, it's what everyone else is doing. Yep. But – and Vivint probably makes a lot of money off those cancellation fees and contracts. What do you think well, – do you think it would be cool if Google purchased Vivint? Uh, do I think it would be cool? Yeah. It wouldn't get me to go to Vivint if, unless they changed the business model. Yeah. That's why it's not Vivint. It's ADT. It's everyone. Like, I don't like dealing with long-term contracts. I either want to buy the hardware and then pay my own subscription for the cloud services and all that or – I rent the hardware at a monthly price. Like Comcast with their modems? Sure. Which, yeah. I'd rather just uh, sell me the equipment and then I pay for Vivint's services like you know, you emergency can do that. calls and stuff like that. That's I got to sign a contract, right? Not if you pay up front. Oh, that's basically like a contract. No, you pay up front. You pay for the equipment and then you pay for the monthly service. What's the equipment though? It's like fifteen hundred bucks. Ooh, that's for everything, though. Yeah, but here's the thing: is you can't get the doorbell camera unless you get the panel, right? So I mean, the panel. Ever the everyone has to get the panel because it's the panel that really your phone connects to the panel, and your panel connects to everything else. Yeah, hub. well, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so funnels. That's what you're focused on. Funnels and messaging. Yeah, just uh, messaging like. Messenger bots, you doing bots? We talked about chat bots last we week. We did chat, talk about chat box. We chatted about chat box. That's right. You were actually working on a chat box. With, chat bot. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <said> chat box. <laughs> you were working with a chat bot software. Did you end up going through with it? No, we we may. So that was uh, Instabot, is the company we were looking at. Did you look at Drift? Yes, actually, and uh, so it's my content marketing manager who is now leading kind of the charge on that he's actually the one who found drift and uh and he likes it better here's the thing instabot focuses on chat bots only drift mm-hmm. you can start with a bot and then transition into a real chat with a person yeah and instabot doesn't have that feature here's mm-hmm. my problem is that we're currently using podium that has the feature to talk to humans and if instabot which is cheaper can basically hand off the conversation from the bot to the human from Instabot to Podium, 
without it looking different. And I, I think they both have customization enough. You mean Drift? No. I'm Instabot. talking about Instabot. If they can do that handoff, it may be better to go with Instabot because we're already paying Podium. Hmm. I if thought we, Podium was just like customer feedback. Nope. They've expanded, man. In fact, we just had a meeting with them today. So like they today. have a like website chat. I could go to yes. a website and interesting. Yes. They have expanded their services. Actually, that may not be true. We The handoff would be through text, I think. I don't know. I don't know all the details. They have two products, Reviews and Messenger now. They also do NPS. We just had a meeting this morning about their NPS platform, which is pretty pretty cool. NPS? NPS. What's that? Net Promoter Score. Ah. So they uh, like they would compete with Qualtrics. Like Qualtrics, it's, you know, they do the survey asking... How likely are you to refer us to a friend or colleague? And it's a scale from 0 to 10 or 1 to 10. So their chat on their website literally just like turns into intercom. Like they're using intercom. Yeah. Which that's what we use. Yeah. Intercom. So we can use Podium for like for our Google My Business pages. You know, there's the new there's that new feature that allows you to click to chat. So from Google My Business, you can click the message uh, icon, and it opens up your native messaging platform, and it'll allow you to text with a company. So Podium facilitates that. You give them Podium gives you a phone number. You put that phone number in as your click to chat contact, and then someone can click on that and communicate to you through Podium. And then you hop on podium and, and you can respond back and forth. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. Chatbots are, uh, they're interesting. So let me, um, let me change gears. Things are about to get depressing because today has not been a good day for me, Brandon. I've, I've heard, I've heard bad things. <laughs> so uh, I think I've talked about this on the show in previous episodes we have a we've had a pretty strong local presence at Vivint, meaning we service the country. It's nationwide, right? We're active in Alaska, Puerto Rico, Hawaii, all across the nation, and we have had a pretty strong Google My Business presence. So we partnered with Best Buy a uh, little over a year ago, and we are currently in 450 Best Buy locations across the country. Now you would think, okay, so you make a Google My Business page for every single one of those Best Buy locations. We have 20-something uh, lo- Vivint locations where Vivint is paying for a building, whether that is a sales office, whether it's a call center, whether it's a whatever. And we can we can make Google My Business pages out of those as long as someone can go there and sign up, and they can and we also have Sprint. We have, a, we have a, a partnership with Sprint where we have kiosks in like 70-something Sprint locations. So we had over 500 Google My Business locations. And last Friday, they all got suspended. How does that happen? So Google doesn't tell you. A, a Google My Business suspension is the equivalent to a national SEO manual penguin penalty. Like you are obliterated. No, your, your, your locations are no longer searchable. Nobody can find them. They're pretty much de-indexed. 
So when you log into your My Business account, do you They're still, still there. see the listings? The listings are all there, and they all have the word suspended next to them. Mm. But you can't find, like, no user can find them. They're gone, all of them. So that happened last Friday. Well, we were thinking, what the heck? Like, this is all legit. It's all up and up. Like, we have legit locations in Best Buy. We have legit Vivint locations. We have legit Sprint locations. And so we started the appeal with our vendor, and it started to look real promising. Like where they were like, oh yeah, this is weird. So they started auditing it, right? They, they grabbed a sampling and they found, hey, little things like, hey, the phone number on this location, this Google My Business page is different than the local web page that you have on your website. So you need to make sure that your phone numbers are the same across the board, just like you want the addresses to be the same. So we're like, okay, no problem. We'll go ahead and fix that. That was, that was in a small sample size of what they were looking at. So we went back and we fixed the phone numbers. Like, that's not a big deal. I say we fixed the phone numbers. It was actually, we kind of pushed back a little bit because we're using ring pools that allow us to track attribution a little bit better. So we kind of mm-hmm. pushed back saying, hey, it doesn't actually work that way, Google. I was willing to change the numbers. But anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, an, that's another story. Well, we got notification from Google after several, this whole week, almost every day, we were getting more hopeful that they would reinstate every location because it was some big mistake. Well, today we got notification from our vendor that Google has responded and told us that every one of our Best Buy locations is no longer eligible for a Google My Business page. That's 450 out of the over 500. So like 90 plus percent of our locations, they just deemed as uh, not eligible to have a Google My Business page. Now let, me run, now let me run something past you. They said that it was because it's a kiosk basically a business within a business. So we're sharing an address with Best Buy. Well, some people know this, but there's an actual Vivint employee at every single, I, it's even weird to call it a kiosk because it's like, you think of like the Apple portion of Best Buy, right? Where they just have like a table. There's not even an Apple employee in there, right? Yeah. That's more of a kiosk. It's like one table, six Apple products. We have like three different displays. We have, we have seating, for people to sit down with our Vivint employee and go through uh, our plans and all that stuff. The point of purchase is done at there. Like they don't go to a Best Buy cash register. They take care of it all there within Vivint. So we're just, we're almost renting a space out of Best Buy. And here's what's annoying. Let's talk about other businesses that have done this. America first. You know, they're inside some grocery stores. Yeah. They have Google My Business pages. They're a business within a business. Pizza Hut, Starbucks, they have locations within Target. McDonald's, Burger King, they have locations within Walmart. What about the nail salons and the pharmacies and the salons that are inside the Walmart? They're all a business within a business. They have have their own employees where you can go and you can purchase things outside of, of the company and use the same exact address, and they all have their own Google My Business pages. But guess what? The kiosks inside of Sprint where there are no Vivint employees and it's just it's it's way smaller. It's like a, a, a little board or I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a nice looking display, but it's up against a wall. No Vivint employee. Those are fine. And you guys had a unique phone number yep. like for each a one? Un, a unique local phone number for every single Best Buy location. Yeah, because I was looking at while you were talking, I was looking at the map. I was pulling up Orem. First, I went to Best Buy and I zoomed in and like, you know, you had a little... Uh, what do you call those? 
those little location symbols, you know, pinpoint type things. Yeah. yeah. It only showed, no matter how far I zoomed in, it was only Best Buy. Yeah. Then you mentioned the other places. So I went down the street, went to Walmart, and inside Walmart, I can see uh, America First. I can see Smart Style Hair Salon. Um, yeah, remember our Google My Business pages got taken down. And they all have Coinstar. They all have the same address. Coinstar. Coinstar. That's a tiny kiosk. Yep. Wolves, Walmart. Yeah. They all have the same address, but uh, different phone numbers is the only difference. Now, here's so what... So it g- would make sense that Vivint would be able to have be the eligible. same privileges. That's right. Guess what? Within Best Buy, there's Magnolia something or other, which is like sound systems. And then there's Pacific West or Pacific Sales, which is where you can buy... Uh, appliances like refrigerators and fr- and and like crap like that both of those companies that are within best buy first of all don't have magnolia or pacific sales employees there they both have google my business pages and they're a business within a business in best buy without a freaking employee and the point of sale is done at best buy not the orem one at least not in the maps right it's mostly in california uh. so it's really frustrating that we feel like Google is targeting us, which makes sense because they own Nest. And you Nest said, is a direct competitor. You said Google did say that it's because the phone numbers didn't match up? No, 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 no. No. They told us once you fix the phone numbers, we'll reinstate these. But then they told, because they'll reinstate all the ones that aren't Best Buy. Mm. They say, hey, get rid of all your Best Buy locations and we'll reinstate the rest, which is 50 out of 450 locations. Like they're telling us it's because it's a kiosk within Best Buy, which is bullcrap. It's bullcrap. Hmm. It's against their own guidelines. Like Redbox can have its own Google My Business page. Is there one Best Buy that's just like real close to Google headquarters and some dude is walking through? They're like, wait a minute. No, see, that's the thing. Is There's like, no one working here. All their correspondence is uh, with our vendor, and they keep saying, yeah, we've talked to our engineers, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, your engineers? Why are, you t- why are your engineers making business decisions? Why are they the ones deciding whether or not Vivint should be eligible within a Best Buy, you have guidelines to determine that. And and we've already looked at guidelines. We're eligible. But they kicked us out because they don't like us. Does ADT not have a similar no. setup? Dude, Vivint, like we are, we are in a lot of ways way more advanced and innovative than our competitors in that way. Where like you look at, you look at the SERP and we have we have rich snippets that nobody else has, right? Like we have the reviews snippet that shows how many rev- like our star rating under our product pages, under our category pages. I noticed that. We have um we're working on getting a search bar within the SERP that goes directly to um our search results, right? Like we're doing things that no one's doing, which makes it hard because we can't uh, we can uh, we can't often look at our competitors to say to see, hey, what new innovative things are they doing? Cuz they're looking at us. Wouldn't be the we're first the time you were targeted. <clears throat> no, it's not the first. 2014, time. I was just that article popped up. 2014, we got we got hit by Penguin. That was back when Penguin after, was new. After Google bought Nest, it removed one of the company's biggest competitors. <laughs> what what article are you looking at? This is from Pando.com in 2014. Wait a minute, this was after though. But that happened before. This is this is talking about the whole Vivint being delisted. This is when we were at 97th floor though. Yeah. But this is being this was written in 2014. This happened earlier in 2014, right? It was like March 2014 that. Unless it's because they put an update here. Maybe. 
because they says Google's head of web span calls this reporting silly. Wants you to know that Google is totally transparent. Is that so that he's talking about Matt cuts? They're yep. totally transparent. That's the biggest load of BS. <laughs> transparent. And how can they say they transparent? like they like they do. They're not provided. That's the opposite of transparent. Yeah. That's interesting. So you think you're being targeted? I do. I, like it makes me feel like a conspiracy you don't theorist. Feel there's no uh, logist, like logical reason that you're missing. No. Well, here, here's the thing. So I'll, I'll try to be transparent here. <clears throat> we turned Podium on the same week and started sending reviews to the Google My Business pages. So there was likely a spike in the number of re- reviews going to the Google My Business pages. Uh, and so we've theorized that that created a red flag where it was like, wow, we just had a spike in reviews. Um, and, and then the the other theory that we have is we've been going back and forth with our sales reps. So we have sales reps in these locations. We're using their address. So they have a sales office where they're actually using their own budget to pay for this office outside of like the corporate or even the marketing budget. So they claim that they should have ownership over the, the local page. And we've kind of been fighting over it where we have ownership and they're trying to take ownership on mm-hmm. specific locations. And because of that kind of exchange, they're unhappy it's been theorized that they may have jointly started leaving feedback through our Google, my business page and basically sabotaging the company that they work for both seem, I don't know, slightly far fetched, but it's all happening at the same time. I don't know. Like I said, it feels like I'm a conspiracy theorist, which I hate, but Hmm. I mean, we are, we're legit dude. Like how do you tell us that we can't use best buy as a Google, my business page when someone can go there and purchase Vivint. Like that's the like out of all the locations, that's the most legit, and that's the one. The, those are the ones that they're getting telling us to get rid of. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what to say, man. That sucks. Do you guys have Google My Business pages? We do. I was actually thinking how like stupid it is that, uh, and I remember even you know teaching uh, Market Campus classes, talking about reviews, and it's like go get reviews, but don't get too many at one time. Yeah, how stupid and is that? Like, think about like you're you're consulting with the guy, maybe who's, who's he's had a super successful business for years. He realizes that he needs to take Google more seriously. He sits down with the marketing consultant. They say, "Oh, let's get this system in place. Let's get all of your customers to go leave a good, honest review on the website." All right, he blasts an email out to ten thousand previous customers, and then overnight, five hundred people leave honest reviews, and then he gets flagged and hit. Is that fair? Like, should that be a, I don't know, maybe it could raise something internally, but no account should be hit because of a spike in reviews. No, no, that's absolutely right. It should not be hit because then uh, here's the thing. Cause this, in fact, this, this may turn into a topic in the future as far as the ethics behind soliciting reviews. Right. Because I've, I've gone into this, like I'm, I'm well-versed in reviews, right? Our reputation management program at Vivint is pretty stellar. So when you talk about soliciting reviews, there are different ways to do that, right? There, you can, you can, you can filter out. So I'll go back to the NPS survey. If Mm -hmm. you send out an NPS survey to 10,000 of your customers and 5,000 of them rate you at an eight, nine, or 10, a nine and a 10 is a promoter, but an eight is kind of on the fringe there. 
if you just filter out the eights, nines, and tens and only ask them to leave a review, you're obviously more likely to get positive reviews than if you ask everyone, regardless of their NPS score, to leave a review. The results would be drastically different, but one would be more authentic than the other. Mm-hmm. I can see, I mean, I mean, it would be very hard for Google to determine whether or not someone's gaming the system, but you tell me, it, like, if you had this system built out and you have thousands and thousands of customers, would you try to isolate the ones that are more likely to leave better reviews or would you send out the request to everyone? Isolate. Right? Yep. Yeah. Do you believe there is ethics in that? Because we, we have a, we use a similar software. Um, it's not podium, but an, an, an alternative that does What's essentially, it called? it's called opinion. Opinion. Um, with two eyes. With two eyes. Yes. So, but we've talked about that with other people and there have been like ethical concerns like, Oh, that's not like, that could be uh talking over like legal, like, Oh, that's, I don't know if that's an ethical way well, to I'll go tell about you, it because tell, you're not getting an honest opinion of the school. So I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with getting an honest opinion when it comes to ethics, but there are laws, right? So when you're trying to solicit anything, well, let me take a step back. It goes to the, the method to which you are requesting. If you want to send a text message to your customers and ask them, if you don't ask everybody, it's not considered a pure survey. It's considered an isolating, you know, you're manipulating the system. If you open it up and don't filter, as an example, Podium, when they first started, they would send a text that asked a primer question before asking them to leave a review. And the primer question was something like, have you had a good experience with Vivint or have you had a good experience with Dev Mountain? If they said yes, they would then say, would you mind leaving a review? If the person said no, they would then give them an open box for them to type in their response that then would get sent back to the company as feedback. So if you're not happy, we want to hear about it, but we, we don't want the world to hear about it. Mm-hmm. But if you are happy, we want you to tell the world about it. So that is not considered a pure survey, which, which, basically disqualifies you from being able to text your customers without consent. So there's the consent that people have to give before you can communicate with them, but there are exceptions to that. And one of the exceptions is, is a pure survey and a pure survey has to be go out to everyone, not just isolated, uh, customers. It's interesting. Learn something new every day. That's right. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've met with our, our legal team, many times to make sure that we are are legit in fact well i'll tell you some other stuff off off the air because there are some things that i probably wouldn't uh, feel comfortable admitting fair enough well here's my question you asked me if we do google local pages we do uh admittedly i don't think we take them as seriously as we should you don't nobody does and one of those reasons and maybe i'm this is me kind of learning from you uh, you mentioned that losing these um, pages is going to result in hundreds of lost sales, yeah. at least. Yep. How? Because like I would imagine these these pages only show up if someone's in North Dakota, and they're like that that local page only shows up if they're typing Vivint, right? No. So so aren't they already okay? Well, then I'll I'll step back. You can opti- you can optimize me. your local GMB pages to rank for non-branded keywords. So if someone types in home security mm-hmm. in Louisville, Kentucky. We could we could pop up uh, in the maps section on, with home security, so 
uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it is branded, right? If someone types in Vivint, we'll show up. But if someone types in Vivint, we'll show up regardless of whether or not we have a, a Google My Business page. Yep. Our local page will pop up. Our homepage will pop up. Like, if they're looking for us, they can find us. Yep. So, so the lost sales is more in the non-branded keyword space where people don't necessarily have a company in mind, but they know they're looking for either home automation or home security in their area. And it will show up like on the on the right on side the of the page. House. Yep. Um, so what tips do you have for me and for the listeners on how do you optimize a, a GMB, GMB page? Yeah. So the biggest thing is citations, right? So you want to make sure that, so the Google My Business page is actually a cite, citation in and of itself. But but when you build it, we we acted as if the GMB page was like the central and then everything around that. And, and I'm talking about like, you have a Facebook local page, you have a Bing local page, you have a local page on your website, mm-hmm. you have, you know, yellow pages, uh, decks, all, all those citation kind of directories point at uh, either your local landing page or your GMB, but the GMB is a, is a local is a local thing. And then all those, I mean, all of them have like categories, right? Tags. And you tag your categories and your tags with the, with the things that you think people are searching for that you that you want to rank for, like home security, home automation. Um, those, are, I mean, those are the biggest things. Mm-hmm. There are elements to like making sure that you have images that you're all basically you have to fill it all out. Your hours of operation, your phone number should be everything should be consistent across all platforms. I, I mean, it's not it's not super difficult. The the best advice I could get is if you're going to a lot of locations, use an agency because agencies are uh, what's the hardest thing is syndication, syndicating all the information across all platforms over time, making sure that if your phone number changes or you're changing locations in a specific location, um, that's all being updated across the board. But if you have one, two or three, you know, like a handful of locations that you can manage yourself, uh, just make sure it's it's consistent across the board. Dev Mountain has what three locations? Four. Um, four. You're in Texas, Arizona, Provo, Salt Lake. Yep. Where in Arizona? Phoenix. Yep. Where in Texas? Dallas. Yep. Nice. Got them all. Yeehaw. Well, so how do you test that? Like we have uh, we have a Phoenix location. I'm here in Provo. How do I, I, I? Let's say I go into my Phoenix page. I optimize it the best I can. Now I want to start monitoring. And I want to make sure that uh, when someone types in, you know, code bootcamp Phoenix or whatnot. Well, first question is this. Do these only show up when Google detects that they're in that location? Like, can I, if I type in Phoenix, will it still show those even though I'm here in Provo? Like, how do you yes. guys monitor like, so, oh, South Dakota is doing well. We use an extension called Uber Local. So Uber like a Local, Chrome extension? it's a Chrome extension. And you type in whatever location you want, and it'll search Google and give you the SERP that would show up for that specific keyword in that specific location. How do you uh U-B-E-R. I think you have to type in the dash in the store in order for it to pop up. So Uber-Local. Mm. I'll have to check this out. Oh, yeah. That's a cool reason. It still Reben just keeps bringing find. up Uber stuff. Uber local. Are you searching in the Chrome? No, I'm just store? searching on Google. That's probably oh. why. Chrome extension. Yeah, there we so go. Uber oh. local. Uber conference. <laughs> Not Uber conference. Uber local. You just got to go to the store, I guess. Yeah, just go to the store. And then, uh, so that, that basically, it literally, uh, they have like proxies in all these locations that you then can search against that allows you to see the SERPs as though you are in that physical location that's cool yeah 
There's our uh, tool of the day tool right there, of folks. The week. Towards the end of the episode. So if you stuck with us, you just got a good gem there. That's right. So that's, uh, I mean, that's been the biggest news. Uh, one, one thing I'll mention as kind of an honorable mention for things that we've been working on at Vivint is sentiment analysis. Do you do any sentiment analysis? Not at all. So, but I have seen tools that do that. Yeah, Podium has a really cool sentiment analysis uh, portion to their platform that they recently released within the last few months. And they monitor, they don't just solicit reviews for you, but they monitor all the reviews. So across any platform, Consumer Affairs, BBB, Google, Facebook, you know, you name it, Yelp. Actually, they may not monitor Yelp. But uh, they basically collect all these reviews, and then we built logic that allowed it to categorize everything so that it then gets uh, it analyzes the sentiment. So you, I, sh- I can show you this after the show, but uh, they have they partnership with they have a partnership with Domo, so that's where the dashboard and all the visual the visual reports come from. But you can drill in to I can look at uh, departments most complained about on on reviews in reviews. Right, uh, we're working with Nuvi on doing sentiment analysis for social. And Podium for sentiment analysis on reviews specifically. Mm-hmm. But they analyze reviews across all these platforms and you can drill in. So it, it'll show you a graph with all the departments that are complained about, like customer service, uh, field services, sales, uh, all, you know, all the departments. And then you can click on it and then it'll, it'll divide that section up again. Like say you, you, you select customer service and all of a sudden you have long wait times on the phone. You have, you know, wouldn't let me cancel, kept transferring me around to different departments. And then you can keep drilling down and then eventually, or at any point you can click on another portion of the graph that will give you the raw data, meaning the verbatim reviews people are leaving in kind of a, a spreadsheet form format. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can break, it's, it's really cool. That's and then you can take, you can take sentiment analysis and you can divvy up the data to each of these departments and say, Hey, customer service, here's what people are most saying or most complaining about, or Hey sales, you guys need to stop being so manipulative and stop lying at the doorstep and getting people into contracts that they're not aware of. So we can divvy out that information, send it out, improve our reputation over time. Hmm. Or we can shoot over data to our content marketing manager who can look at the data and determine what content pieces he should build to educate people more on the things that they're most likely to, to complain about. It's interesting. Yeah. I did something similar just recently. Went into Salesforce. I exported every single student application since we started using Salesforce. And there's a field in there we ask, like, how did you hear about Dev Mountain? I then just grabbed that field, threw it into a spreadsheet. I had all the text. And then I grabbed that and threw it into a word cloud tool. Got rid of all, like, the ofs, the whatever. Yeah. And then just had, like, a big old word cloud with, like, friend was huge and then, like, brother... Uh, Google, YouTube. Why was brother big? Uh, well, just people mentioning family. Like a lot of people, like my brother, my sister, my husband, oh, wife. Weird. But so uh, brother was big. Brother was fairly big. That uh, could help you create a persona. Yeah, it was kind of. Uh, so I mean, obviously, it's not giving you context, but some of the words have context, kind of in the word, right? Uh, yes. So what was the biggest word? Friend. Oh, friend. Was and, the and that had to do with my friend referred me. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, my friend went to Dev Mountain or my friend told me about So what actual insights are you going to take from this and what changes are you going to make? Well, I mean, it confirmed what we knew that 
friends referrals like, referrals are, are our biggest ones the, the thing that actually stood out was uh research like words like research search um reviews like those are actually fairly big not as big as Meaning friend after it, they were referred those are the channels they use to research i think so like the, it was clear that research this is not a product or, or, or service that people just oh yeah i'm gonna go to the website and buy like they do their research and uh youtube was up there really big um so yeah search friends search brother and research brother yeah was big wasn't as big as friend what'd you use to create the word cloud i just like typed in like generate word cloud and then i forget what there's i mean if you just type that in there's a bunch of search results but what was that one that we used to use tagcedo i was thinking that the other day and how you used to make tagcedos of websites i used to make websites. tag clouds of logos and That's then right. contact them on twitter yep i used to got some i used to get some well, free swag what did you use for the words like what filled it in so you could type in a url so uh, i would put in the url the site. of the well it scraped the page of what not the mm. whole site but the page so I'd, I, if the homepage didn't have enough content, I'd go to some internal page, grab their URL, and plug it in, and then it, it crawls the page and creates the word cloud. Interesting. Tagcedo. Tagcedo. Gem number two. Oh, yeah. This is the uh, the word cloud I'm showing Jacob here, but you could see So friendless. Google. Yeah, Google is. Google, friends, YouTube, YouTube, research. I mean, friend would even be bigger, but it's counting friend and then friends. Why, what's switch up? Why is switch up so high? Switch up and course report are like the Yelp and Google of the oh, okay. boot camp yeah, industry. Yeah. It's like they're really big billboard. Research. I like that billboard. That, that, yeah. That's got to make you feel pretty good. The billboard is bolded on there. <laughs> we got a lot of comments. Hang on, hang on, on the hang billboards. on. Yeah. Cousin. So cousins on there. What's the smallest one? Dad. Dad <laughs> is pretty bad. Don't, don't target your dad. Dad's coworker. I mean, there were some words I didn't do a good job and. of getting out <laughs> like trying. Yeah, that's true. That's cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's so, kind of an easy way to visualize. Yeah, if you've got if you've got content that you're getting user input into and you can export that, that I think that's pretty cool. I'm like I'm running through some scenarios in my mind where I could create some word clouds that give you just a quick visual of of yep. what people are most talking about. True that. Cool. Hey, we're out of time. Time flies when you're having fun. Yep, time flies. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform that you listen to us to. You can also reach out to us. Our email address is inbound at belowthefold.io. Our Twitter handle, belowthefold.io. Belowthefoldio. And that's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold. Bum, 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 bada bum. Knocking a finish. Copyright issues.